Now it's time for Davy's dating ditch. Date not going well. Looking for an excuse to leave? Why didn't you try Davy's patented dating ditcheroo? Ask for some water. Drink it all down. Ask for more water. Chug it down more. Ask for a pitcher. Begin to drink from it. And then spilling water all over your ice, over your shoulder. All the ice goes over like a heaving polar bear. Demand more water. If your date asks, wherefore all the water? Say, I have great thirst! If your date somehow has not left yet, just run away. Get ye hence and take a tinkle, because you just drank a lot of water. Yes, come to see you. I said, now Benson, Benson, Joe. Benson, Benson, Welcome to episode 196 of Up for Discussion, an emotionally honest comedy podcast where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs. I'm Tom Zalatni. I'm Kate Bradley. And I'm Kate Hammer. And we have a special guest joining us over the phone this week. Uh, she is a writer, producer, and performer. She's the tour manager and does various voices on Welcome to Night Vale. And her Twitter bio calls her a sandwich enthusiast, so we definitely <laughs> have to ask her about that. Please give a warm Up for Discussion round of applause to Meg Bashwinner. Meg, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, y'all. Thanks so much for having me. It's Yeah, thanks so much. I really uh, am pleased to be on the show. So let's get right into the nitty gritty. Uh, you're a sandwich enthusiast. Tell us everything. <laughs> and advocate. So uh, yeah, I am enthusiastic about sandwiches and I, uh, and I want to spread that enthusiasm. So I'm also a sandwich evangelist. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I love sandwiches. I think they're a perfect food. I think that there's lots of ways for sandwiches to exist. And um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I have lots of passionate, passionate feelings about them. So, I mean, I, I could talk for 45 minutes about sandwiches, but I mean, as far as favorite sandwiches go, um, I mean, I, like, there's no way to quantify that. Like, I love peanut butter and jelly, but a meatball sandwich is great, too. And grilled cheese is wonderful. And a burrito is a sandwich. And so is a hot dog. And tacos <gasps> yes. are sandwiches. And so is lasagna. I mean, lasagna is not a sandwich, but... <laughs> it, but you could put a lasagna in a sandwich, yeah. around two pieces exactly. of bread. And that's in a sandwich. It's literally, it's not a fair thing when people say sandwiches are my favorite food. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it goes, it, it, there's so many unlimited options. Unlimited options, yeah. 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 I, you know, you mentioning lasagna as a sandwich... Um, <laughs> I think Hank Green tweeted the other day that his wife Catherine picked up a slice of lasagna out of a pan and just ate it like a sandwich, like a, a cold slice of well, lasagna. Well, there you go. Yeah, as long as it's nice and solid. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, you really should allow for lasagna to come back to form before eating it. And I guess if you're eating it like a sandwich, yeah, I think I think my rules about sandwiches are that there are no rules. We just all have to be appreciating and loving them. And that we should not be divided about sandwiches and we shouldn't really go to battle about like, what is a sandwich? What isn't a sandwich? But we should just all like unite around the fact that sandwiches are a force of a great force of good. Oh, that's so good to hear. I was yeah. worried that you might be like judgmental of other people's choice, sandwich choices. But hearing you say that, it makes me very happy. Yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of how I feel about a lot of food. Like I, I always say that I have a very positive relationship with food mm -hmm. in that like even foods I don't like, I will defend to my death 
Beth, you're right to like those foods. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, no, like I don't like Brussels sprouts, but I get why people like Brussels sprouts Mm -hmm. or like, you know, it's the pineapple on pizza debate. Like, I think that whatever side of that you land on, you should not judge the other side for their choices. Yes. The only people who are bad guys in that situation are the ones who are being prescriptivist about pizza toppings. I was actually thinking about that today in terms of how it was like an article David Mitchell wrote where, you know, this small issue happens and people get so opinionated and divided by it. Like, for instance, you know, MIA flipping the bird uh, and the Super Bowl and she got fined like millions, tens of millions of dollars for it. And newscasters were calling her this horrible person and it like was massive. And at the end of the day, it just shouldn't have been a thing, you know, like the pineapple on pizza. It should never be Uh a thing that people get physically upset about because uh, nothing matters. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, nothing does matter. We're all going to die. Uh, so don't yuck on anyone else's yum, you know? Yeah. And eat lasagna like a sandwich. This is a yes. happy, happy wife, happy life in that instance. Sure. Yeah, so, there are some hills you can choose to die on. MIA flipping a bird or pineapple on pizza maybe is not the thing you're going to choose. Like, I'll, you know, the hill I'll die on is, is that Nazis should be punched, but um, <laughs> I'm not going to die on the pineapple on pizza hill. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think we can all agree that yes. that's that's a fair assessment. Yeah, that's a busy hill. Yeah. Uh, the Nazi yeah. one, not, yeah. the... <laughs> not the pineapple one. Yeah, I'd like to stand at the top of a hill just punching Nazis as they try to run up it, you know? That would be an excellent video game. Yeah, it's like one of those tower defense games. Yeah, yeah. With one level. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not to say that there's not room for like passionate discourse on subjects, yes. absolutely. But I feel yeah. like we, we really should save like feelings of hatred, anguish, and stress for stuff that actually matters. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think we don't because like you know something like Nazis even though for me it's a pretty clear cut (laughs) issue because you're dealing with other humans and humans are complicated and can change and aren't clear cut then people go like well it's a complicated issue and I don't know how to direct hate towards uh, you know a group or a per you know how do I an ideology where it seems very easy towards like Either you like pineapple or you don't like pineapple. These are the sides we're on. Yeah. Yeah. If only food could fight back, you know? Do you oh, want does. food to fight back? It does? Ooh. <laughs> In my oh, case, it does. yes. <laughs> I just got wild that one that was possible. That's true. Anytime I get into a fight with a large pizza, I ultimately lose. Yeah. Uh, it's like a short term win. Yeah. It's like, ooh, I've eaten a lot of cheese and it was tasty. Yeah. And then now 12 hours bad. later. I actually, um, so the night before Toby was born, we had like this really nice like snack plate dinner. You know, we chopped up a bunch of veggies and had crackers and cheese and and salami. And I got this one really spicy salami to include with the meal. And that was a huge mistake because there's nothing quite as awful as having like painful diarrhea while your partner is in labor. Oh, this is a detail that hasn't been released before. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I think that was the closest thing my body could experience to it. So maybe it was a solidarity thing. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. No, they've come up with a machine where they hook up uh, electricity to really? your stomach. Yeah. And they like um, mimic contractions to make you feel our pain. Yeah. Ooh, I guess I'll take the spicy sausage yeah, over that. Go. Yeah. You went with the analog version. Yeah. <laughs> oh man so so meg you've been involved with night vale for a really long time right yes i eat sleep live <laughs> and work and i'm married to night vale so 
<laughs> what's um what's that been like for you like as uh I, I think i'm especially interested at this point in like your role as a tour manager and as sort of like the producer for those live shows like what can you tell us a bit about that experience yeah it's great um i love my job i love my uh, working with night vale i love the work that we do i love the people i get to work with i love the audience that we get to show our work to it really is like such a such an incredible gift and such a huge uh, feelings of wonderfulness for where we are in our career with this. Like I, yeah, I came out of theater and we all kind of met with in working in this theater company in New York. That was a very scrappy theater company. Um, I met Joseph and Jeffrey and Cecil there. And most of the people who work on the show, we kind of know through this theater company in New York called the Neo Futurists. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so we all met there working in scrappy downtown theater. And, uh, it was, uh, it was really cool to get to move to the next level in our careers with those people. And, um, yeah, so, uh, it, we've been, I've been working on the show since the beginning and we started touring the show in 2014 and, uh, and then in 2015 we needed a new tour manager and I was really, I wanted to take on that challenge of learning a new trade and specifically learning how to do it for our show to make our touring life better and bigger so um, I started as a tour manager in 2015, and um, yeah, and I've been with the with the show as a performer in the live shows, as the MC in the warm up comic, and play the character Deb, but also as the tour manager and tour director for our whole network. So I try to uh, organize live shows for all of our uh, podcasts that we have on the Night Vale Presents network, and then also just dealing with the Welcome to Night Vale live show beast that it is, because no one tours like Welcome to Night Vale tours. Um, <laughs> yeah. We have been on the road for five years straight, so wow. uh, more or less. Not straight, but like we we, we do a big tour. Uh, we do a, a big season every year. Um, we have We do at least 50 shows a year, so... Jeez, that's incredible. Yeah, that's a lot that's, of balls to juggle. Yeah. Do you find that like having that the so many roles within the show affects your performance or does it enhance it? For me, the performance part is the easy bit um, because, mm. yeah, which is not to like say anything to performers that like your job's easy or whatever, but uh, it's it's the thing that I have the most consistency with because we don't do the same show every night, but we do when we start touring a new script, we do that same script every night for the most part. And, mm-hmm. uh, things change when I do, you know, I do my warm up comic, but at the beginning, that's kind of a little bit variable and depends on the audience and current events and things like that. But the script for the live show is the same thing. So I do that, you know, after I do that 10 times in a row, it's really easy to do it the 11th and 200th time because mm-hmm. It has that same thing. Whereas, you know, every hotel that I check into is different. Every plane that gets delayed is different. Every traffic stop is different. Um, so the, the, the tour management bit is, has so many variables. It's, you know, fed, losing FedEx boxes and dealing <laughs> with uh, getting our show settlement at the end of the night and converting from Australian currency to U.S. currency and Danish kroner to, you know, to (laughs) Swedish kroner and all that stuff. So that's the stuff that's always moving and changing. Me, you know, putting on a dress and the same makeup and dress and accent and reading the same bit every night. um, That's the easy bit. Right. Yeah. And you've, and, and you, you're, you're happy hanging on to that manager role. It's, it sounds like a lot of like unpleasant things to manage. (laughs) Um, I'm a deeply controlling person and I'm very ah. intense, so um, it's easier for me to be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, 
Uh, yeah, being on the road is, is, is stressful. It's, there's a lot of moving factors every day, like I mentioned. So, um, when things go wrong and they do go wrong because there's so many things that are out of your control, I like it to be, I prefer it to be my fault and I prefer the onus to be on me to fix it. Oh. As a person who spent five years being a tour guide, I completely understand yeah. that. Uh, and yeah, no matter how well you plan, something will always go wrong. Like once I remember walking to a French restaurant uh, and I was like, oh, hi, we're coming in like half an hour, just triple checking. I've talked to you on the phone yesterday. And he was like, no, you're for tomorrow. And I was like, suddenly like nothing was ready and I had to help him set up the tables, then run and get my group. And so my question to you is, <laughs> what's been like part of the tour that you've actually had kind of like the most downtime or the most time to explore the place you're visiting. Mm. Um, so Australia is like tour vacation. Um, the, the the first time we did it, it was a pretty mellow. It was a pretty mellow time. The last time we did it, we had like, because of the way the routing worked out, we had a ton of time off between dates. So um, because Australia is real big, so yeah. you have to always fly to get around it. And uh, they wanted to give us flying days. And then also with the, uh, the way our deal was for the Australian tour, the Live Nation booked out all of our hotels. They booked all of our flights. We had a like a handler on the ground who we got to choose. Who's a, who's a person who we love, who has uh, done assistant tour managing for us before. Um, she was our handler on the ground there and she's like a legend in the industry. And so she takes such she's a great driver and she handles our merch and she takes great care of us and drives us to the beach. And it's just like a totally rad lady who we love to spend time <laughs> Wonderful. with. So we got to, yeah. And she like, you know, she sorts it so that we can go meet koalas in Brisbane and like go do stuff on our days off and make sure we have what we need. So yeah, Australia really is like, for me, it's, it's a little bit of the, 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 the relaxation that I need. We, um, get a little bit more time off and I could do all the work on the front end. So all the work on the front end, working with the promoter and working with the Australian tax accountant and the visas and all that gets done before I leave. So yeah. I can kind of enjoy my time on the ground there. Awesome. Yeah. that's. Really I cool. love the word handler. Me too. You know, because yes. <laughs> it just, I can't help but picture <laughs> welcome to Nightville as a pack of wild dogs. Like it <laughs> need to be reined in. And she does. She really does. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's really cool though. Do you, as part of your, um, as part of your duties as tour manager, do you have to book people, uh, like for the shows? Like, do you need to book extra cast members? Yeah, I do. Um, I do work with the scheduling our guest stars. Uh, so we will, I work with Joseph and Jeffrey on that too, cause they have to write the, you know, they're writing the script. So they, I can't be like, Oh, we're having this person. They're like, well, what are they going to say? You know, they need, they need time to, to fit them into the script. Luckily the way they design the scripts is that they are modular, modular to an extent so that they can be like, okay, we have, you know, room for six guest stars. We just have to figure out where they can get slotted in. And so it is a, a thing where we're like switching out pages, uh, depending on who we have with us. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, I do, uh, coordinate our, our guest stars when they can come and join the show. Um, yeah. That's really cool. What's, what's been the biggest challenge of that? Like the biggest challenge with, with finding guests and casting for the right parts? Like, is that mostly something that they tell you, like, <clears throat> we wrote this part with so-and-so in mind, or do they sometimes say like, can you find us someone for this role? Um, I, they never say that to me. Oh no, they always they, <laughs> these roles come come in cast, and for the most part, we haven't really been introducing a, a, the new people uh, in a, in a, a while. We hmm. we have uh, 
character we have voice actors who play these characters and then they just write new things for them to do so we kind of have a, a bit of a roster of people that we know like we know we have some UK based performers that uh, that when we're in the UK we coordinate with them we have a lot of people in New York a lot of people in Los Angeles so those are the times when we kind of like run into more guest stars hmm. is when we hit the those kind of hotbeds of performers Cool. Yeah, they do a real good job <laughs> casting. I think I've like suggested people here and there who've come to to end up being guest stars, but it really is like, you know, they we're mostly pulling from a pool of theater from our theater company in New York. So and friends of those people. Right. Yeah. Jeffrey was telling us a few weeks ago that uh, most of the cast are neo-futurist people. So that makes sense. It must be so wonderful to work with um with the same people that you seem to adore for so long, like, and, and then going on the road with them. And I mean, I'm sure that there's all kinds of uh, quirks and things that make it, uh, you know, like with any friendship, but it, it sounds like a really amazing opportunity for you to work with them for such an extended period of time and, and keep growing the, the, the show with them. Yeah, we're real lucky. We're really lucky um, to just to get to work with such incredible performers. Like Cecil is just like he's such an incredible actor. Like and and a great dude to be around. And um, and we have a, a lot of fun touring. But yeah, he's such an amazing actor. And then Symphony, who plays Tabika, she is like you know she's one of the funniest, if not the funniest person I know. One of the funniest people I know, and is an early riser and a great driver and a person who boosts the morale of everyone in the room all the time. So like um, with our touring crew, we kind. Of, everyone kind of has their own little, you know, thing, that, things that they bring to the table that help us make make us a, a family that that works. So whether it's like morale boosting or um, you know the, the, the DJing, certain <laughs> types of humor, people yeah. who can do, you know did uh, you know. Uh, what do they not detonate the bomb the opposite of detonate the bomb mm-hmm. when something stressful happens diffuse, like, <laughs> diffuse the bomb yeah. people who are great at diffusing the bombs people who you know are great at seeing the problems before they happen people who like we we have our our quirks that we bring um, and also we know each other really well at this point like to say that we haven't had rocky times I mean we're like people who've been living in close quarters doing something difficult every day for five years but yeah. because we've had those rocky times we've been able to kind of grow and uh and respect there's respect the the rocky times that we've had and mm-hmm. really learn from them which i think when you're working with good people they the people who can learn from mistakes and who can forgive mistakes it's really it's the really makes it work yeah absolutely i think that's an important part of like any kind of relationship even mm-hmm. you know beyond beyond working relationships if you're if your personal relationships are with people who know how to learn from their mistakes and acknowledge their mistakes then like those are going to be the healthiest ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and acknowledging each other's strengths as well. Like yeah. you were saying, all the all the different aspects of each person. That's like so wonderful. Like you don't have to be. Everybody doesn't have to be perfect. Each of us brings something else to the table and makes it uh, a great team. Indeed. Yeah, we try to catch each other. Catch each other doing what? Uh-huh. So catch each other, like catch each other. If, <laughs> if like if we if anyone like yeah, my my methodology is like and this is a practical methodology, which is you need to be able to carry your own bags. Um, you need to be able to carry your own bags all day wherever you need to go, and you should have a free hand still open to help someone else. Hmm. That's a good policy. That's kind of um, that's kind of how I travel. Yeah, I, I try to keep one backpack with everything in it, and then if I'm if I need to use my hands for something, I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but emotionally. That seems like a harder thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a harder thing to do emotionally, but I think it's a um, it's something to strive towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool, especially since often helping somebody else helps helps you too. So, yeah, it's a good yes. thing to reach out. Kate and I have just reached out. <laughs> reached out, just holding hands. <laughs> 
Um, being on the road so much, what's what's something you do like either first when you get back home? Like, mm. is it something you cook or is there food you like or just like a ritual? Because, you know, coming back home is such a nice thing after being on the road for so long. Yeah, I love to cook. And so when I'm home, I really don't ever go out to eat. I never, yeah, I also live deep in the woods, so there's no one delivering Ooh. to me. So that kind of takes that out of the equation. <laughs> um, so the only thing that delivers to me is propane. So um, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I cook a lot when I'm home. Uh, yeah, when, I get, when I get home from tour, um, if my husband's home, we'll do like a pizza night where we'll make pizzas or... Um, or like usually like sometimes something like really healthy would be good after being on the road for a bit. So like, yeah, like fun quinoa bowl, um, like re- like sometimes project cooking. I make all the, uh, my husband just got home from book tour and uh, yesterday. And so I made him a challah bread and some chicken. Um, yeah. I also, when I get home from tour, like whenever I get home from a long day on an airplane or driving, I like to take like just a really intense shower. Mm. Yes. There's nothing like showering in your own shower for oh, some yeah. reason. Yeah, you just get cleaner. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, last year, um, my partner and I went to PodCon, and we stayed in this hotel that was like nice enough, but it was dirt cheap because it was like kind of maybe a two or three star hotel and it was also in the middle of a bunch of like construction going on um and the shower was the only part of it that kind of sucked, like the water pressure just wasn't great. Mm. And so when we got home after that weekend, it was like, oh, Finally, finally, good hot Rains water. Rains of heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's delightful. I've been hurt by shower pressure in the past. Really? That's strange, strange. That can't be right. No, well, I mean, you go to a hotel and it's just like it's just like a freaking baseball bat to the Shit. face. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think I'd prefer the baseball bat water pressure to the, like, faint mist. Yes, I agree. I agree. But faint mist. <laughs> <laughs> what a shitty Both shower. of you aren't actually in showers. I just want to clear that up. <laughs> Yeah, like, this, Tom is just being, you know, he's in a, he's spritz in a, by a spritz bottle, and then Kate <laughs> has her face in a bidet, and then that's why you're not getting clean. <laughs> that's the worst thing I've ever imagined. <laughs> oh, I can do worse. <laughs> hold back, Kate. Hold yeah. back. Can I complain about bidets for a second? Sure. Uh, so complain about most podcasts is now bidet talk. I know. Well, so a while ago we had an episode where we talked about bidets, and Adrian really like advocated for bidets, and I was like, okay, cool. I I want a bidet, and then I accidentally got a fifty dollar Amazon gift card. Long story, and was like, what can I use this for? And there was one for like less than fifty dollars on Amazon, so I ordered a bidet, and then I. It was like a simple installation. Great. There's like a valve you have to turn off uh, on your, under your toilet in mm-hmm. order to install it so that the water won't like pour everywhere. And uh, that thing is rusted into position. <laughs> so now I can't install my bidet and I just have a bidet sitting in you my closet. You just use it as a salad bowl. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> what do you it think of a bidet? It doesn't feel like a bidet problem. <laughs> it's, just a, it's a container, isn't it? You no. can put anything. No? <laughs> it looks like a little like, it actually looks like a contact lens case that just like, fits under the toilet seat and what? it has little jets that stick out and spray you meg what is your opinion on bidets yes. i love bidets i'm pro bidet but i'm i'm pro like separate piece of uh appliance or that's fixture. what i'm thinking yeah because right. you can't get hot water out of your toilet so you're putting cold oh. water does not seem like the type yeah. of vibe i'm trying to cultivate no, that's true. The, the model I got is only cold water, uh, but the same brand makes one that does hot water that has like a built-in heater. 
that okay. you just have to like oh. switch it to hot. Um, but that was an extra forty dollars, and I did not get a ninety dollar Amazon gift card by accident, so that was off the table. Cold water right up in there no. is just that'll wake you up. Yep, especially in I'm the winter. I'm awake enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I will never be yeah. tired enough to require cold water th- thrown up my butt. <laughs> thrown at my butt i don't know don't make any rash comments Um, okay yeah Yeah. which is what's good about the the actual fixture ones because you could have cold or hot so if you are in a situation that like you know one time out of a hundred where the cold water is what is required you can have it that's true having the option i put a chili pepper up my butt after a spicy salami yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) well that's when you want like a milk bidet to like spray the milk up Milk helps with spice. I know, I know. Now I'm just thinking of this bidet that shoots all kinds of different things at you, like honey or, you know, green tea. Those are the two. Have I misunderstood the bidet again? fine meat sauce. Oh, God. Oh, let's think about what the worst thing to come out of a bidet would be that's edible. Oh, uh. Fucking, fucking Marmite. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's salty. Oh, yeah. black tar yeah. <laughs> i feel like like a like a hot pepper infused olive oil would be really bad Cause, oh because yeah. you can't get that off afterward no you gotta like soap it and... meg what about you oh i don't know now that i posed that question <laughs> i feel yeah there's like lots of things like maybe schmaltz something that's like it has different liquid um to, like different states of liquid and solid depending on its temperature oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, schmaltz would be gross. Yeah, I was going to say like egg yolk for some reason. Uh, I don't know. But maybe like, because alcohol would burn, right? So like, yeah, I need to schnapps. Ooh, is, yeah, is, like sh- is schmaltz an alcohol? No, schmaltz is like, uh, it's like chicken, chicken fat, fat, right? Yeah, it's ah, chicken ah, fat. <laughs> Good one, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> gross. Topics of High Importance, a podcast where we get high and explore food, science, gaming, pop culture, and beyond. Filled with super tangents, forgetful flubs, and that awkward kind of tension that can only be produced by a married couple. Topics of High Importance on the Upford Network. Join us, won't you? (laughs) Hey you, do you make stuff or want to make stuff? Are you having a bit of a time finding a space that fits all your functional needs? Well, good news for you, friend. That's because friend of the show, good boy George Poppy, is trying to figure all that shit out for you by creating a collaborative workspace for all your assorted production needs. Check out chaos.co, K-H-A-O-Z.co. Fill out the form and let George know exactly what you've got going on that best suits your production needs. Let's make stuff, but you know, collaboratively, because only together can we save enough money to have a popper's dinner at Burger King. Chaos.co, K-H-A-O-Z.co. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Sass. And we're the host of The Last Stretch, the sports podcast. It's a podcast where we're going to talk about, well, sports. Specifically, what we do look at is what makes an athlete be the best that they can be. So not only do we talk to some athletes, but we talk to the people behind the athletes, from trainers to sports psychologists, you name it, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about other issues revolving sports as well, hot button issues like concussions, maybe doping. Give us a listen. Find us wherever you get your podcast. That feels like a good point for us to move over to the cash corner. What do you guys think? Sure. (laughs) Welcome to the cash. 
Trash Corner, the part of the show where we shamelessly ask you to give us money. The worst thing about being an adult is having to pay things like rent and utility bills. Our home studio costs us about $500 a month in rent by virtue of not being a room rented out to a potential roommate. And our monthly internet, heat, and electricity bills end up adding up to more or less that same amount. If you haven't already made the plunge and moved out, don't! Just mooch off your parents forever! That way, you can give the potential rent money that's burning a hole in your wallet to us instead. If you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us at patreon.com slash up for discussion, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Candice, Galea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Jan, Jillian, Gillian, Andrew, Sarah, Angelica, Will, and Anne. You'll get early access to bonus content, little behind-the-scenes updates, and all kinds of other sweet perks as well. And if you give at least $5 a month, you get to submit the featured question for an episode once per cycle on the show. Today's featured Patreon question comes from Patrick, who asks, Any tips for somebody looking to move out? What were your experiences <laughs> like, both with your family and finding a place? Patrick, my best advice to you is to give us all your money instead <laughs> of moving out. Meg, you, you're an adult. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Certainly you have moved out. What uh, what would be your like word of advice to someone who's doing that for the first time? Try to save as much as you can before mm. uh, would be yeah. If you if you can savings or savings are your friend, and then really make a super solid budget for yourself so that you set yourself up for success so that you don't have to like live on a ramen you know, ramen only diet and never get to enjoy the city or place that you're living in because you have spent all of your money on rent and utilities and super, super fast internet. So if possible, try to do it as smart as you can and and really make it a a plan. Um, if you're like on the run, then, uh, yeah, uh, uh, maybe, you know, um, I don't know if you're on the run, you shouldn't be writing into podcasts because it'll be a good way to get caught. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's true Patrick's parents could be listening to this and finding out that he's like trying to move out oh yes yeah. and then they'll they'll throw him a party and push him out the window well Patrick's parents are nice they'd probably be supportive oh yeah <laughs> that's nice them. to hear yeah um, yeah I think the the point of like having some savings before moving out yeah. is a really uh, a really good one if you're in a position where that's an option right because for a lot of people it's not like uh, if I could redo anything it would be that I would save up a bunch of money before moving out instead of spending like half a year's worth of paychecks on whatever I want before moving out. Um, Cause when I first moved out, I was like 18 and like working, working kind of two part-time jobs uh, so that I could pay for everything that I needed to pay for. And I didn't save any money beforehand. And so I moved out and, you know, like you said, had to live off of like, I didn't go for the ramen route. I went grilled cheese, but I would eat like six grilled cheese sandwiches a day and basically nothing else. Yeah. Which was like very nice, but also very unhealthy. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah you're going to get scurvy. Explains so much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, but a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I was an odd apple when it came to moving out because even during high school, I didn't spend a lot of time at home because. I grew up on a goat farm in the middle of nowhere and high school and everything I cared about was in town. So I ended up spending a lot of nights just at friends places in town. Like my best friend, Sarah at the time, like I basically like her mother always planned to have me over for dinner. Like Mm. every night she would make extra because she's like, well, Kate's coming. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So it was like, it was nice. My mom was 
uh, so mad about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, you're never at home. You're only here to sleep and eat. And I was like, what does everyone else do here? The same. So, uh but and then I guess when I uh, officially moved out, I moved to Europe. So if you're gonna go for it, go big. And um, yeah, I, I agree with Meg. Having a, a healthy savings just made everything a little less uh, stressful. Mm-hmm. But I guess in terms of family moving out, my family was pretty supportive because mm-hmm. I said I'm going to Paris in a month. And they said, okay. (laughs) And then in terms of finding a place for when I came back and everything, it depends on like what's your timeline. Because if you have a choice of like waiting until you find a place that you really like, then take your time. Mm -hmm. But if you're on like, I need to move out by the end of the month, it's like harder. Also because I personally view going to visit apartments, et cetera, as a big old waste of my time. Because you never walk away from visiting an apartment going, you know what? I learned a lot from that and I'm going to take that with me. It's always like, I tried my best to suck up to this person yeah. and I hope that I'm better than anyone else now right. to m- let go of all care for that and move on to the next one. It well, just like burns up so much of your time going mm-hmm. to these places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So plan wisely. Like go to ones you care about, but also... It's like a numbers game for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My uh, my word of advice actually on that note, uh, my best apartment finding experiences were ones where I knew the current tenants and they were about to move out. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, I need a place. Your place is nice. Let's do that. So like my last apartment before this place, um, <clears throat> a good friend of mine was living there before I moved in. And I had just actually hired him to work for me part-time. And he was like, actually, like if you're looking for an apartment, I'm moving out. So we just did a lease transfer. It was super easy. Oh, yeah. And then I had a really nice apartment that I'd already spent lots of time in, so it already felt like home right away. Mm-hmm. With, and landlords uh, love that. They kind of. No, br- no broker's fees. Yeah, there is that. But then they can't raise the rent like crazy. <laughs> That's the other side of it, right? Like you're, You can't raise the rent, but you don't have to deal with people visiting, which is yeah. sort of nice. And uh, running the risk of having an empty apartment for yeah, a month or more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But with uh, with this with this place, I uh, also found it as a lease transfer, but um, didn't know the people. Like, they just posted it online. Uh, and I had a great experience checking this place out. I came in, like, the, the family that was living here was so nice and so friendly. They were really happy to, like, show me around. They even let me come back and measure the rooms once we had decided we were going to take it so that I could, like, order furniture. And everything went really smoothly and was really nice. And it was the only time I'd ever checked out an apartment like blind like that and like not had a horrible experience of it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Look for lease transfers. Usually those people are nice and usually it's easier to get the place. Yeah. Make friends with as many humans as possible because they may eventually move out. That's true. Mm -hmm. Find a friend whose apartment you like and convince them to move to Europe. (laughs) But uh, and like another thing (laughs) is that. Like, there are some real gems around Montreal. Mm-hmm. It's such a odd, high-ceilinged, uh, you know, city. And I know a couple, like, I just had a friend's, or a friend's, uh, move into a place that was could only be listed as a three and a half, but was, like, because the, another massive room was attached to the doorway, so I don't think they're allowed to list it as a separate room because it's mm-hmm. like an entranceway. Mm-hmm. But so it was like they had so much space and they were only paying 800 for everything wow. and Oof. they had two balconies and like 
those are gems, but don't expect everything to be like that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Have realistic expectations, but be open to magic. Check the heat, check the heat in the hot water. Yes. When you're looking oh, at places, fun. heat and hot water. T- yeah. Test it. Turn it on. If you are looking through apartments, turn that on and make sure it works. And mm-hmm. it go if it's cold, make sure that like, yeah, walk in to like look at a place in the winter <laughs> because yeah, you don't want to be fighting with broken boilers that was oh it was the worst one of the worst experiences was living in a place with no heat or hot water because just the boiler was always in a state of disrepair oh Ugh. no and i know kate you said because you bought a house right yeah and you're like now after you've bought a house and lived in it you know how to look for a house yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all the doors and everything <laughs> yeah fucking doors none of the doors close properly um <laughs> yeah the, the pipes are leaking all over the place and uh, yeah finding Maybe not using the realtor's uh, inspector, <laughs> but no, we weren't screwed over. But just like just things that I just didn't think about, like like Meg saying the the, the hot water. Like I wasn't, I didn't test the hot water. I didn't think to do that. Like right. so, and those are the really the, the things that are gonna fuck you over in terms of yeah. uh, renovations and 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 just comfort. Like yeah. if you don't have hot water, you're not cool. No, yeah, actually, on on heating, the one thing that I hate about this place is that we have like gas heating so it's expensive Mm. i would love to have like electric heating it's way cheaper yeah baseboards or whatever um we end up paying like multiple hundreds of dollars every like heating bill and they're like i think bi-monthly but it's still you know Mm. it's awful real bad so so how can you like get a space heater that you plug in yeah we could we could but then we'd need like okay. a bunch. Of, <laughs> we'd need like a bunch of them for the yeah. whole house, and that's yeah. not worth it in the end. It's like too much of an investment. So it's hard and they're not the a... safest things. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh uh, yeah. Well, they're safe, safe for now, but like, it's still like you're you're potentially overloading your electrical system, and then yeah. also you have a hot electrical box in the middle of your house that sometimes yeah, like they're much safer now, but the older ones would like just set stuff on fire. Yeah. Does. Everyone want to hear something a little upsetting? <laughs> Not in a real yes, upsetting please. way, but it'll be disappointing now. Because I, my apartment, uh, everything is included. So electricity, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that's nice to not have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, because I don't get to regulate my own temperature. And it's actually, this apartment, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been in past apartments where I have, like, five blankets on top of me. And then morning, I'm like... I can't get out of bed. I will freeze. <laughs> oh, no. But this one's good, except like at some hours it'll just like not, it'll not be good. Yeah. Especially when mm. you're coming from outside. So I just always have my hairdryer plugged in and then I just hair dry my body a little bit. <laughs> I just like hot air because I don't have, yeah, I don't have room for a portable, uh, a space heater. I have a very small apartment, but I do have room for just some. I do that before I go out in the winter. I put I put my coat on, and then I I put my hair dryer on, and I I I push the air the you hot air into my up. coat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Those are great tips. Yeah, right? great from the, the great north. Is, Those are great I'm, Canadian tips. <laughs> I'm like a big environmentalist, so it kills me every time. Just like wasting electricity. This, uh, but it's also just. I like, I'm just like, uh, mental health, self-care. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Gotta do it. I, I do the opposite in the summer where like 
before I go outside, I'll stand in front of the air conditioner with my shirt like lifted course, over it for a couple course. minutes to psych myself up. And yeah. then as soon as I get home, I do the exact same thing after tearing all of my clothes off. And I'm like, it's too sweaty. <laughs> See, I love the heat and I don't often get overheated. So even this summer when we had those crazy heat waves, right. I was pretty good. Like it was my partner who had to give in and buy a fan because like <laughs> even in the winter, he's always like, uh, shirtless being like oh god and I'm under five blankets still yeah, being yeah. like can you warm me up uh, so but then there was just one morning where the heat woke me up at 5am and because I didn't have a real air conditioner because I refused to pay that money I had to sit in front of my fridge naked with a fan pointed at me so it would like blow air and then cold air would envelop Wonderful. me yeah, yeah. So Meg, how's uh, living in the woods? Yeah, it's what's great. that like? It's great. I lived in Brooklyn for a while. I lived in New York City for a while. And uh, we were on the road so much that we were like, why are we paying rent for an apartment in oh, Brooklyn right, when right. we could own a house in upstate New York? So yeah. we uh, instead of we switched from paying a lot of rent to paying a lot less mortgage and to being in the woods, which is really great because we both really love the Hudson River Valley and it's really beautiful. And it's quiet. It's not near a damn airport, which sucks because anytime I have to go anywhere, I need to go drive for two hours and deal with airport parking. But, mm. um, but yeah, it's it's really it's really nice. But Joseph and my husband Joseph and I have kind of figured out a good life schedule. So it's like a third of the year we are on the road, a third of the year we are at our upstate New York house, and then a third of the year we go and live in Los Angeles, which is great because it's like the vibes of living in a city without actually having to live in a city. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like an amazing balance. Yeah. It's pretty good. We don't have kids, so. <laughs> That's an even better balance. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Tom. That's okay. <laughs> we made the choice. Yeah, we don't have to worry about school um, or any of that, so. Right, uh, uprooting yeah. the kids to move every time. Yeah. yeah. I will say the nice thing about having kids as young as we did is like, by the time that they move out, like when Toby moves out, when he's like 18, 19, 20, whatever, I'm only going to be in my like early 40s. Like I'm going to be able to have a lot of time to relax and do whatever I want after that. We can move out to the country and in our 50s and retire on a farm or something. Yeah. Yeah. And on the opposite note, if I decide to have kids... Uh, I can't wait to be old as fuck when I do so that I'm like when I raise them, I'll just constantly have a glass of Merlot in hand and just be like 40. And then when they're 20, I'll be 60 and be like, you got to pay for my old folks home soon. Come on. No, it's it was interesting. Like I had a my parents had all of us young. Mm. Uh, But my friend's dad was like 70 when she was 20. And it was such an interesting, yeah, vibe of Mm -hmm. like pros and cons to both. But also just do what you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm ending every rant with such vague sweeping statements. (laughs) Nothing means anything, so do what you want. (laughs) Exactly. Don't yuck on anyone else's yum. I really (laughs) like that. Don't yuck on anyone else's yum. But yeah, so Patrick, we hope uh, we hope that you have good, you know, experiences with moving out. Um, if you can stand to keep living at home for a while longer, save up as much money as you can. But if you really need to get out of the house, uh, you know, find something good and just follow the vibes you get from the place. There's a lot to be said if you like get a weird energy from the person who's mm. showing you, or or you know, yeah, the landlord, even the space. Like mm-hmm. follow that because there's so many people have been like. You know, it's a stressful, stressful situation, so you kind of want to ignore those, like, nervous feelings. But 
then always w- weird things happen to mm-hmm. people who commit anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. a very that's very good advice in life in general yeah. beyond yeah. apartments. <laughs> follow yeah. your, your gut. gut. <laughs> and yeah, it's your first place. You're gonna have weird roommates. You're gonna have weird <laughs> stories. That's Just true. try to try to be kind to yourself and do what's good for you. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's it's not gonna be the perfect dream thing forever. Yeah. But. You'll get there eventually. Eventually, you'll end up in your lovely country home talking into a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And just be honest about your habits. You know, Mm. instead of being like, I do dishes every day, just be like, you know what? I have a more lax uh, view (laughs) on dishes because, like, it's only going to cause bad things with said roommates. Yeah. Yeah. If you lie about what you like and don't like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Roommate roommate stuff is a whole other question, right? Like, figuring out. Kate, did did you live in an apartment at all before you bought your place or did you go straight uh, from yeah no, to... well yeah uh, I've mooched for a very very long time <laughs> uh, but I did I did live in an apartment with my uh, with a friend from college for okay. a while was the apartment the basement in my mother's home yes it was um, <laughs> that counts did you pay rent yes yeah there you go <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, and she was she was wonderful. We 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 got along very well. But I've heard horror stories about roommates. But like Meg was saying, like you can't you can't ex- you can't like stop yourself from making that move because it might not be right. Like right. you're gonna learn from all these experiences and yeah. grow. And then if there are monsters, just move on. That's it. The nice thing about like any apartment, any lease you sign is gonna be a year. So so yeah. you can just get through that year. Yeah. You know, the worst thing that happens is that like. 2019 2020 that school year is bad and then mm-hmm. the next year you're like somewhere else and you know yep. once I had a roommate who after a month of living with her she told me that she doesn't like other people and oh, yeah. that I could no longer have any friends over oh, and no. that my energy was too happy even when I was sitting in my room reading so I had to tone it down because she was going through a breakup and I was like I should have I should have gotten out at that point but I was like you're going through a hard time. Let me respect your boundaries. Oh, no. And then, uh, yeah, terrible. She yeah. yelled at me for brushing my teeth too loudly. And that's when I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not brushing. Like, yeah. I understand having like limits about how many people you're happy to have over, right? Like, I've always been the type who, like, you know, unless I'm working on something with people, I don't like to have too many people over and like, you know, we'll have a party once in a blue moon. So like I've always appreciated with roommates if they check with me first before inviting people over where it's just a communication and I do the same and it's like, okay, like we're not going to have people over tonight. Cool. Great. But like outright saying never have people over is Mm. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Proximity question for Meg. Proximity question. I don't know why I'm calling it that. But um, since you work, like you work so hard with your team and you, you're you like, you're with them so often. Do you have like, do you socialize with them as well? Do you hang out much? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We still, uh, not so much when we're off the road because we live all around the country. So we're. Oh, right. Um, so I, st- I see Jeffrey a lot because Jeffrey actually lives nearby me. So we, we hang out like, like friends and we don't talk about work and we drink whiskey and it's great. Awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, and then when we're on the road, like we'll like after a show, we'll like go get a drink. We'll all have dinner together if we have the night off. We have lunch together every day. We often have breakfast together. Like we're just in it. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we yeah, it's it's you do realize like 
when you find yourself alone, like that you haven't been alone in a very long time. Like I'll sometimes like be moving the car and I'll be the only person in the car and I'll just start talking to myself because I'm like alone. And I'm like, this is a weird feeling. It's weird to go from never being alone and, and always kind of on yeah. to, uh, to being in a, a place where you're like, you're in the shower and you're like, what is this? <laughs> we have one final segment on our show and that is the part where we jump into the turtle's butt. Um, for everyone who is not in the room, we have a lovely stuffed turtle here who doubles as a cup holder, and we have filled his butt with questions from our audience. Do you want to submit a question? Give us a dollar on Patreon, or leave your question in a review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, and it'll make its way into the butt. There is also questions in here from past guests of the show, so I'm pulling one of those out as we speak. I think we have time for one question today. It is, oh, funny enough, past guest Cecil Baldwin asks, <laughs> how well would you fare if you had to live off the land, pioneer style? Oh, Whoa. Whoa. I would die really quickly. I would do semi-well. I grew up on a farm. I didn't pay attention to a lot of what happened, so (laughs) semi-well. But you've got it in your blood. I've got the, like, will to learn. (laughs) And, yeah, more more knowledge than most people, Mm -hmm. but much less than a a lot of others. Yeah, I mean, do we have access to the internet, uh, Cecil? No. <laughs> I don't know if the pioneers pioneer. pioneer style. Whoops. Uh, Cyber pioneers. No, I would, I would, I would cry and cry until until I had no more liquid in my body, and then I would, I would evaporate into a, a puff of dust. You'd be a cryonier. I'd be a cryonier. Yeah, I don't. I, I really don't think I'd be. Sick. Although that's one of the big questions I've asked myself many, many times: is like, if I'm eventually like a hundred percent fucked, will I be able to get myself out of it? Mm. And my instinct is no. That's how I view myself. <laughs> I'm going to be super confident and say that I do great. And this is me awesome. just like uneducated confidence um, in this. But I feel that's like I could kind. do. I feel like I could do all right. Like I'm really good at making campfires. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I'm pretty good at like making, making improv with what I got as far as building and things like that. Um, the one, my one downfall is that, um, I act very tough, but, uh, my body is easily felt. Um, so like <laughs> I trip over shit a lot. I like for, I got strep throat every two months for like 10 years. Oh my um, God. So like, I, that's the kind of stuff that would like, um, like the lack of antibiotics um, oh, and no. medical care probably would take me down pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I could, I could build a shelter. I could feed myself off of the land. I could make heat. I could make a cooking fire. I could barter. Um, oh, nice. I, I've settled, I've settled enough. Welcome to night Vale shows to make a deal. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I, I feel like I say that I would die really quickly if I had to like live off the land, but I think probably I'd do like okay. I'd do better than I expect I would. I'd eat you. Yeah. First. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I, I definitely have like an ideal body type for like cannibalism. I'm willing to acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But Are I, you a I vegan? Feel- no, no. Okay, because I feel like I'd eat the vegan first because they're grass fed, so they're like oh. they have that that good it's marbleized more fat. Ethical. <laughs> <laughs> and that and they'd have the good marbleized fat, so like you really would be it, they'd be more yeah. delicious. I'd start giving them massages as <laughs> like a friendly thing. Is that because vegans have to massage the kale? So you're just yeah. doing to them what they do to their food. 
I just want them to be tender for my, hmm. my mouth. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to follow the, the Tom flip. I feel like Meg's confidence like reinvigorated the like logic in my mind. Because my, my, right. <laughs> my first response, I think, was a very emotional one. But when I think I am very resourceful when it comes to fixing shit and like, right. you know, using my hands. And, and I don't and, want to, but now I'm going to have to eat you second. So. Oh, you're so greedy, Kate. Yeah, that's your plan. You're just like, I don't know how I'm going to survive. But I will kill any. The amount friends. of time that it would take me to ponder eating other people is embarrassingly short. <laughs> you know, I that's feel a good that. skill for the pioneer, though. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Take no prisoners. Take yeah. it. Take care of number one. Mm-hmm. I feel like I wouldn't even need to know that there is no other edible animals on the earth before I would resort to cannibalism. You know, like you, if you're if you're suddenly living off the land and you've got like two friends with you and one of them like dies of cold or something i would probably eat that friend even if i like wasn't totally sure that there weren't cows like 20 feet away I'm yeah pretty sure lord we're the, the easiest to hunt out lord of, of everything <laughs> aren't we like try to hunt a rabbit it's fucking hard mm-hmm. hunt your yeah. buddy he's right there yeah i just think that lord of the flies would be a much different book if i was in it like it wouldn't take 200 pages to get to somebody Pushing the eating another i would just day one i'm like all right <laughs> you 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 yeah. here's your order i just write numbers on people they're like what's this for and i'm like nothing <laughs> number one come over here for your massage you're like we still have granola bars this isn't yeah. it's fine yes like, <laughs> there's, there's a supermarket the down the street yeah. Yeah. I think the the whole like living off the land thing, I think I would do well in, in moments of like suddenly needing to do something because mm-hmm. I, I react well to like chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't throw your phone at me. Um, I didn't like, react so well to that, Tom. No. But like I once like, you know, anytime there's been a fire in my house, for instance, which like one time I accidentally had a grease fire on the stove and another time someone forgot to put water in their like instant noodles in the microwave so it caught fire and like every time that kind of thing has happened I've handled it really well like Uh I'm good at the like split second like oh I gotta fix this and then I panic um so I feel like I would do well in those situations but then like general like okay I gotta scavenge I gotta make myself a shelter I would not be okay so if a bear attacked me, I'd be like, all right, let's deal with it. Well, maybe not a bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A small bear. Yeah. If a very, if a bear <gasps> cub attacked me. I had a, okay. In my dream last night, I killed two black bears by, Whoa. by jabbing a butter knife directly into their throats. <laughs> What's up with that? I don't know. Butter That's knife. That's yeah. horrifying. In sorry. My, I'm sorry. I should. In my dream last night, I got a tour of a friend's house that they had just renovated. And then the dream was over. Lovely. (laughs) In my dream last night, I paid six hundred dollars for an Uber. (laughs) Were you okay with it? So mad. Oh, you were mad. So mad. It was a nightmare. Because they like, yeah. I was like, that was there's no way that was a ride from LAX to to my friend's house. There's no way that should have cost six hundred (laughs) dollars. Was there an elaborate negotiation, or was it just? No, it was like I I like saw the receipt on my phone and was like, damn it, I'm gonna have to call them. That was my dream. That is, that's what tour managers dream about, having to call customer service for travel-related issues. Jeez. Logistics, yeah. Uh, I didn't have any dreams last night. No? Huh. I often don't have dreams. I only remember dreams like once every two months. Oh, well, I, I ran out of weed three days ago, so I'm dreaming a lot at the moment. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our show for this week. Yeah. And also the end of Kate's Weed. Yeah. No, we're getting more today. Yeah. Ugh, bye-bye, dreams. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Uh, if you guys like this episode, consider supporting us on Patreon. You, uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can make a huge difference here. So please consider doing that. Uh, you can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. And like we said before, if you leave a question in your review, we will answer it on the show. Uh, share this episode with a friend who um, you're considering as a potential roommate, maybe. Uh, so that they'll know what you're thinking about. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You could also share this with someone whose apartment you like and would like to see it. <laughs> yeah. uh, or maybe with uh, somebody who tours a lot so that they can enjoy you know, hearing about someone else's tour experience. Or someone who loves Meg Bashwinner. Yeah. My mom. It's just my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Please share this with Meg's mom. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Down With Talking. And each of us individually, I'm at Tom Zalatni. I'm at Red Random. At Kate the Hammer. I'm at Lady Bash. I didn't know if I got to say mine. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Um, yeah, does anyone have anything to plug while we're here? Listen to my new podcast, Good Morning Night Vale. It's uh, a recap show of Welcome to Night Vale, hosted by uh, my friends Symphony Sanders and Hal Evelyn. And it's really funny. We talk about food a lot, and sometimes we stay on topic. Also, <laughs> the Welcome to, Night, Welcome to Night Vale live shows are on tour. Uh, our tickets are on sale for Europe and the UK and the US. So if you want to come see us, you'll come see me. We're on sale. Come come see us. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, wow. That Symphony Sanders and Hal Lublin, that's a power team. You gotta check it really that out. is. It's it's a dream team. <laughs> Uh, Kate, do you I guys actually, have anything? I actually like weirdly don't. I have a Toronto Infamous on December 27th at 8 p.m. at Bad Dog. And I have a potentially sketchy show in Montreal on November 15th. Sweet. Look it up. Cool. <laughs> Nothing for me. Cool. And uh, I just want to remind you guys to come to PodCon in January. That's uh, January 19th and 20th in Seattle, Washington. I am. Uh, currently in the process of securing our exhibition hall booth so come say hi to us there because that should be secured by then i have to get it done by the end of this month secure it working on that but yeah coming out to that meg's going to be there cecil from last week's going to be there lots of other amazing talented podcasters are going to be there as well and also me so come on out thanks so much y'all that was so much fun thank you meg it was so nice to meet you yeah i'll see you at podcon Special thanks to Crackers and Jam for letting us use the title track off their EP Benson as our theme music. You can find all their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com. This show is produced and edited by Tom Zalatni for the Upford Network. You can find out about all our great shows at upfordnetwork.com. You thought I forgot about that, didn't you? I thought you forgot. <laughs> yes, come to see you. I say now Benson, Benson, Joe. Benson, Joe.